Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to Modernizer Die Podcast. It is episode 181, coming to you on January 24th, 2023. I'm joined by the um, immaculate Brad Wood. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but it's good to be here. Yep. And of course, I'm Gavin Pickin. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. We're both senior developers for Auto Solutions. And that's what we, how we want to start this show is by thanking Auto Solutions, who are the major sponsor for this podcast. They're the makers of Coldbox, Commandbox, Forgebox, Testbox, and every other box out there, almost. Uh, but there's a few ways you can say thanks back to Auto Solutions. You want to give us a few, Brad? Um, I'm talking in a chat right now, but I guess if you want me to participate in the podcast, I could. I have to scroll back to the top of the document. So you can like and subscribe, or apparently the kids say smash the, the like button. I don't know why it has to be smashed, but that's that's the verb everyone's going with these days. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, you can also help us reach for the stars mm, by becoming an astronaut and flying to the moon. No, by starring and forking our repositories on GitHub, so the greater programming community can see the activity and we even have a project um from the command line that i think eric wrote that will go through your box.json and automatically star all the repos you use because good developers are lazy um you can subscribe to our podcast and the podcast in your podcast apps uh and leave us a review but only if it's a good one if it's a bad review we do not want to hear from you um and you can sign up for a free or paid account on cfcast which is releasing new content every week Yep, and of course we have the Box Life store. You can get some of the cool shirts you might have seen some of us wearing. And we can also have a couple of books you guys can check out. So we got the 102 Cold Box Quick MVC uh, Quick <coughs> Tips and Tricks on Gumroad. And we also have the Learn Modern uh, CFML in 100 plus minutes. It was 100 minutes, but we've added more stuff to it, so now it's more. But so, wait, there's more. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds so, like Louise. Yep, lots of stuff in there. And then, uh, of course, we couldn't do it without our patrons, right, Brad? I mean, we could, but uh, we wouldn't actually be able to do it because we wouldn't have any money, and so it, it wouldn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you are correct. The Patreon's supporters are uh, funding 100% of our Modernizer Die podcast, uh, and that was our original goal. <clears throat> we have 42 amazing Patreon supporters. Um the Patreon site is www.patreon.com slash order solutions. And our second goal, which we need your help with, uh, we are 37% of the way to fully funding the hosting of Forgebox.io, which is our Cold Fusion package repository. It provides free cloud storage for your binaries, and that actually costs us real money, including the servers we pay to host in DigitalOcean. So uh, please help with that second goal and help us fund uh, Forgebox. Yep, we did a whole bunch of changes to our um, hosting infrastructure, moved over to a whole new set of servers. Uh, That's always yesterday. scary. Yeah, it was, uh, but uh, it's a big upgrade, a lot of, uh, lot of improvements there, security improvements well, yeah. and all that. So we're... After, after a while, you look at your Docker version, and you're like, oh, man, how many versions behind have we gotten? <laughs> and so sometimes it's easier just to bring up five new swarm nodes and cut everything over and turn off the old ones and... When it's all on DigitalOcean, it's actually not that hard. Right? Yeah. We prob probably only paid for a, you know a few days of overlap where everything was all up, and then you shut down the old ones. Yeah, pretty nice. So anyway, so thanks to Patreons for helping make that possible. 
Okay, next up we have some news and announcements. Um, and the first thing that I wanted to, to look at was um, the new releases for Java 8, 11, 17, and 19 as of January 17th. So I don't think they covered this last time, but um, we have the update there from Charlie, and then up next we'll discuss a, a little caveat of that shall we say uh, when did they come out i don't even think i realized they'd come out i've been so yeah, on the 17th of uh, hiding under rocks let me see if it's on the adoptium api i have run the java search command and command box which will default to java 11 and i'm showing the latest releases update 18 came out january 19th for adoptium okay. nice so yeah they came out two days later so yep there's uh, some some cool changes in here as usual charlie has a great write-up here on it um but also um he mentioned that there's a little caveat. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about that, Brad? I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, apparently the Oracle ones are giving us some grief. Oh, really? No, I had not grief. seen that. Um, the latest, uh, sorry, I can't read. The latest Oracle JDK installers will remove older JDK installs of that version. And that's not new, though. I've seen that. It, it's been quite a while since I've just straight up installed Java on my computer. You know, just download it from Oracle. But I've seen that for a while. It'll pop up and be like, really? oh, you've got these old vulnerable versions. We're going to go and get rid of them for you. But you got to be careful because if, if it detects a JRE folder that ColdFusion is using, um, it could totally jack up a, um, a server using that. Um, yeah, I didn't think they had done that recently. I thought they've been doing that for a while. Now, maybe they've gotten more aggressive about it. I hadn't yeah. actually read Charlie's... Uh, We'll write up on it. So it looks like it's um, for 11 and 17, but not 8 or 19. Uh, again, Charlie's huh. had a good write up on it to so go through. Okay. Um, and I guess well, the that's new probably behavior. when I saw it, Dennis, what I, when I first installed Java 11. Okay. Um, and since I make everything about Command Box, um, if you're using Command Box for your local development, or for anything for that matter, um, you can set your default server Java version to be OpenJDK 11. And Command Box will always automatically download and install the latest releases of um, Java. I mentioned like 30 seconds ago, I didn't even realize Java had come out with a new version. Well, I've been using it for the past couple days because I've been starting servers and Command Box just goes, oh, hey, look, a new version of Java 11. Download and all my servers just use it. So you didn't okay. have to think about it. Use Command Box. Use Very command cool. Box. So... Those cheers prefer command box automatically downloading <laughs> Java on your behalf. Too funny. Okay. Well, next up, we also have um, a little CBWire CFCast series poll up on the Coldbox community site. I voted. So, yep. So Grant um, is basically put up a little thing. So so far, there's a couple of uh, you know quite a few people going for the first one. Oh yeah. Um, the Twitter clone and then the Mastery series is getting quite a lot of hits too. Um, and the Alpine <clears throat> one is okay, but it's a lot less CB wire. So I assume that those two were the best options. But yeah, so you come in here and vote for what you want. And then uh, Grant is uh, you know, basically working on a new CFCast series. So we'll tell you a little bit more about that when we get to the CFCast. Once Grant class. finishes building the Twitter clone, how much do you think Elon Musk will pay him for it? <laughs> we'll give you a steal. $43 billion, Elon. That's all we're going to charge you this time. Yep, so I'll share the link Jump for that, that. Uh, in the show notes as well, so you guys can go vote on that. Um, but it's nice to see that, and if you guys... Well, we'll talk about Grant's uh, webinar as well. So I'm jumping ahead in here, so we'll go back. Continuous planned. So new releases and updates. Uh, 
we got a new update out so fresh the blog isn't out there but the changelog is so i'll show the changelog are you gonna tell us a little bit about what we're talking about i could i have to figure out what i did with the uh, show notes though oh here they are um so we have cb security version 3.0.0 brand new major release um, I haven't even read the release notes yet to see uh, what the incompatibil incompatibilities are, but I see that you are showing them already on your screen, and we yep. have what appears to be an upgrade guide. Nice. Yeah, we did drop ACF 2016, um, and they separated the routes into its own module router, um, and then, yeah, did some compatibility with a JWT auth validator instead of mixing concerns with the JWC service. What um, routes does CB Security have? Well, I know that part of this actually got a new um, CB security like visualizer. Oh, that's for the visualizer that shows the rules. Okay, that that makes sense. Yeah, and there are a couple <clears throat> other little things in there, but I think you know we're starting to add more and more to it, and so anyway, they just separated it out. Um, but yeah, lots of cool stuff in there. Um, but yeah, instead of CB auth validator, it's just auth validator, um, and they're doing some work with the the settings to sort of separate them into more, more, I guess, logical steps. So I know Luis was trying to come up with a way to, to organize those better too. There's a lot of settings in CB security cause you can do quite a lot with it. So, but if we scroll down, Holy cow, it's a massive stuff. list. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so a new auth validator, uh, for validating permissions and roles according to the iAuth user interface. The idea is that you, you probably have an existing application and you have an existing CFC that represents users and things like that, and you don't want to have to change all that. So CB Security tries to give you a way to bridge it, you know, to your existing application. Uh, we have new authorization and authentication uh, delegates. Interesting. Uh, Wirebox delegates are a pretty cool new feature, but I, I think they have a blog post on somewhere if you're not familiar with those are. Basically sort of magically injected methods. Um uh, there's a firewall that logs actions to a database table. Oh, that's cool. A yeah, visualizer yeah. for visualizing settings. I love visualizers. Yep. Basic auth, um, validator, global, and rule actions. I don't even know what all this stuff means. Uh, yeah. There's new event, CB security on firewall block that's announced. Interesting. So you can uh, tap into that. DB token yeah. storage now rotates using async scheduler. Oh, I love the asynchronicity. Yeah. Um, you can use CB CSRF module. Okay, nice. Um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Rule-based IP security, allowed IP addresses. Okay, HTTP method security. Some of this overlaps with stuff you could do with the web server, but yeah. if, you, uh, if you don't have that, uh, that ability, it's nice to have that here in CB security as well. Um, security yeah. headers configuration allows developers to protect their apps from common exploits. Okay. Just a Thank ton of stuff in there. Stores. So yeah, yeah, there's a, a bunch of stuff. It's a huge list. Yep. And then uh yeah, so definitely go check that out. I know that the I said the change log is there. It looks pretty good. Um they're gonna turn that into a blog post here soon, but we want to get that out. Um it's fresh off the off the press, shall we say. So get in there, try it out, let us know what, what you see, what you need to harass Luis about changing updates, but Next up, webinars, meetups, and whatnot. And so uh, starting up, we have the Google event calendar, right, Brad? I don't know, do we? Yeah. Oh, you mean the Ordis Google event calendar? Uh, yeah. yeah, we have that. Yep, so we're trying to keep that up to date, so make it easy <clears throat> for you guys. So if you follow that, um, it'll make it 
much better. And you should be able to add that as an external calendar to your Google Calendar, so the Ordis events will just show up right alongside your meetings. That way you'll never schedule over an Ordis event again. Yep, that's the plan. So we're trying to keep an update. We'll try and add names and stuff as we get you know get through there. But uh, we had the office hours on the 6th of January. It went really well. And then we had uh, the CB Wire coding session. So they did live coding with Grant last week. It was really good. I'll share the link for the CFCast video. And then we have another office hour coming up on February 3rd. And then the Software Craftsmanship Book Club returns on the 10th of February. That's a Patreon exclusive. So go check that out. Um, but I think all the, all the other content... Um, there is a Hawaii one. I didn't get the link for that yet. The CF Hawaii. I think I saw it on Twitter, but I, I missed it when I was getting the notes. The, so. the Docker one? Uh, yeah. So I think there's a Docker one coming up um, from CF Hawaii. So I'll try and get the show notes before we publish it. Sorry for everyone watching did the, live. Did the MVC one already happen? I didn't actually catch the date on that. Um, I think they changed it and they're doing the Docker one instead. They had an API one they just did last week, which I haven't oh. found the link for yet. So that's why it's not on the show notes. But uh, we'll get that posted out as well. So there are oh, some okay. other meetups I happening. I didn't realize they'd actually canceled the MVC one because I had seen um, John uh, asking for uh, for someone to present on it. Yeah, I think someone jumped, you know, stepped up and said they'll do the Docker one, so he, he switched out for that one. So, huh. yep. So quite a lot of stuff going. We'll see. We'll try and get the the links in the show notes, um, but we'll keep on plugging. So next up, we have. CFCast and so CFCast.com we got a lot of great information uh, up there there's tons and tons of content and we're adding more all the time and uh, we just released the January webinar so the CB wire live coding session with Grant Copley so if you want to check that out go get that up on CFCast.com and we're always releasing the new Forgebox module of the week and the VS Code Hint Tip and Trick of the Week from from the podcast, if you missed the podcast, um, we have the series up there. So the 2022 series has like 45, 50 videos, and then uh, 2023 video series has already started. So every week we add a new one there. So lots of cool content. And of course, ITB 2022 for all those paid subscribers. Uh, you can check out like 30 plus videos there. So what do we got coming soon, Brad? Um, well, I've recorded all of my uh, new can command box screencast videos. I think I had like 27 of them. Um, I've got about half of them produced, and um, you guys are helping me actually get those put up. I don't know when the first ones are going to um, go live, but those are uh, going through the production lines right now. I'm excited yep. to get them out. Uh, we've got, uh, obviously, more of the VS Code um, snippet videos from the podcast. We have the CB Wires, CB Wires series from Grant. Obviously, go fill out that poll on what you want to see there uh, in our community discourse forum. We have Coldbox Elixir by Eric Peterson. Uh, getting started with Content Box with Daniel, I assume, uh, Garcia. Yeah. And then Boxifying third-party libraries with some bloke named Gavin. Yep, so got a lot of stuff in the pipeline. Like, you, we got to get them all finished up, polished, and uh, produced so we can get them out there. <clears throat> so that's what we got planned. If there's anything else you'd like to see, anything that you think is missing, let us know. And we can even try and put up on CFCast or do a webinar on it as we've got more webinars planned coming soon. So CFCast.com, lots of great content, more coming. Okay, conferences. So first up, let's talk about CF Online. Um, looks like we've got a, a couple of sessions that were last week. Um, so we had the leveraging AI, the Hockland Services via Cold Fusion, which that link is up already up on um, the 
the Adobe Cold Fusion um, playlist. And we also have the Spreadsheet Magic from Kevin Wright. So that one is up there as well. And then what do we have coming up next? Now, Brad, did you see this one in Vegas? The, the next one's the Opportunities for Blockchain Technology. Are you a blockchain? I saw it on the schedule. I did not see the presentation. Okay, because I'm kind of curious about that. The You know, everyone's talking about Web3 and all this stuff and... You know, I actually listened to one of the Dark Diaries episodes where they use blockchain stuff to like hunt down and stop some crazy, um, you know, dark web, um, <laughs> bad, bad site. I won't, won't say any more because it's pretty graphics what they go into and everything, but That's it's crazy funny. how they, they took down a whole bunch of stuff because of blockchain. Because <clears throat> blockchain, um, you, you know, you can follow the path and everything's public. And so it's kind of crazy. So yeah, I mean, because this session I think focused on NFTs. Um, I mean, I think NFTs are kind of dumb, but I think collecting antiques is kind of dumb. So don't take my word on it. Um, I know they're super popular, and so it's. I'm glad people are, are looking at how to do it with Cold Fusion. Um, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes. I think has an entire website selling NFTs. You can like own the video of him making a touchdown or something, and it's all you know blockchain deal. Um, yeah, and I, I think it'd I be fun it. to see that. Um, I, I don't think I'll ever buy an NFT, but if there's money to be made on it, it's at least worth knowing it's out there. Yep. And then uh, apparently Scott Steinbeck said CoffeeZilla, some cool detective work with blockchain. I don't uh, know what that is. I'm going to have to check that out. CoffeeZilla. Maybe you should have Scott Steinbeck on the podcast sometime and he could talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> CoffeeZilla. Yep, I uncover scams, fraudsters, and fake gurus that are preying on desperate people with deceptive advertising. Usually surrounding crypto and crypto. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, if you want to look and see, I think that's it for the, the um, this online CF Summit. Uh, there's probably a couple of speakers that haven't presented yet, um, but uh, they should be announced very soon if they're going to do that, or they'll play catch up. But it's been pretty cool. There's lots of great videos if you missed them. There's, they're all up on the, their YouTube channel, which is really cool. So we got a couple of Vue.js ones coming up. So tomorrow and Thursday is the Vue.js um, Nation Conference. And then we have um, the Vue.js Amsterdam coming up in February here pretty soon. So you guys, the 9th and 10th. And uh, I'm not sure if they have that online or not. Um, but Vue.js Live does have, um, you know, that's going to be May 15th and the Sorry, the 12th and the 15th. That's what always gets me because it's so separate, the two dates. But that one's going to be online um, and in London, UK. So if you guys want to sign up for that one, uh, you can do that online or in person. It's pretty cool. And then we've got some sad news for DevNexus, don't we, Brad? Oh, we do? Yep. No order speakers were selected by the looks oh. of it. Yeah, sad it days. appears that our, our Cold Fusion talks and non Cold Fusion talks alike were all un unselected. They, they chose to go a different direction. Um, yeah, Luis and I have to pin down uh, Pratik when we get there and be like, why didn't you choose our sessions? You know, give them a nuggie or something. I don't know. We'll yeah. see what happens. I mean, we submitted a bunch of different types of stuff too. So, it's, I mean, there's only so many spots and it's, it's a big conference, a lot of different things going on. So, uh, are you still going to be I'm attending pretty certain this year? They probably have thousands of submissions every year, to be honest. Because yeah. it is it's such a big conference and they have a public call for speakers. They probably are inundated. So... Yeah. There's, there's an always next year. Yep. Get on the speaker list. And then uh, coming up in, at the end of May, we have something special, right, Brad? We have Into the Box 2023, the 10th edition, 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 edition. 
<laughs> Took me a second to find the right button for that. Uh, no, actually, I have people hired in the back of my office. I just I have a little button I push that says applause, and they all clap. Uh, right, so we're going to be back in the Woodlands, uh, which is the Houston area, Houston, Texas, um, continuing our tradition of training, offering pre-conference hands-on training on May 17th, and our live mariachi band party. Um, so we're back to the spring schedule. Beautiful weather in the Woodlands, uh, though honestly, it's not like the weather was bad last time we were there. Uh, yeah. Since it's in Houston, so 2023 marks our 10 year anniversary. It's crazy. So it's basically what two, uh, 2013 we had our first into the box, which at the time was uh, basically a big pre conference to CF objective, which is pretty cool. Yeah, come a long and, way. And what's that? We've come a long way. Oh yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, we may do some special stuff there. And um, I think you may still be able to slip in a call for our speakers. Um, if yeah, we extend something, we extend it to the end of January. So you got one week from today, the day of recording. So January thirty first, okay. we're going to close it up, and then uh, we'll be making the decisions and getting it out there to you guys. And I did have a sneak peek at some of the submissions, and it's cool to see a couple of older names that we had actually at the first edition way back in, you know, ten years ago. So we'll have to keep tuned to, to find out some of them and if we pick their sessions you'll see them on the speaker list in a little while so but cf camp is going to be back so june 22nd to 23rd at the marriott hotel munich airport and freising um you guys can actually work on their call for speakers too so if you want to go enjoy a, a great conference in germany they have the call for speakers open and that's closing march 15th so you've still got a month or so um mm. uh, month and a bit to, to get that done so get some ideas you know, check your travel plans and uh like ben adele's talking about busting out the passport get it renewed get it ready so if you guys ben if it. you're listening if you can go all the way to germany for cf camp you can go to houston for end of the box baby we believe in you you can do it yeah yeah ben ben came to one of this uh into the boxes i remember we had you know Actually, no. I mean, it was I CF Objective I that I remember. He, no. I don't think he's ever been there. No, it must have been CF Objective that I remember talking about. At a I know lunch I've table. talked to Ben for the last 10 years on how he should come to a, into the box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, a, lot of, a lot of people uh, attend it. And, yeah. So, so I'm, I got to figure out what I'm going to do because um, I just got the dates yesterday for a camp, like a summer camp that I work at every year. I've done it for like eight years now with kids. Um, and it happens in June. And since CF camp moved themselves to June, CF camp is going to be smack dab in the middle of that camp. And I'm going to have to pick which one I want to go to. And I actually haven't decided yet because I really, really, really look forward to doing that camp once a year. And I really, really, really have been looking forward for CF camp to happen again. And I basically can only do one or the other. Yeah. It really well, sucks. You've, I you've wish been to the CF last camp... few CF camps, right? So you might have to get in line if all the oldest people you know, make sure that you're on the list still. <laughs> um but yeah so i it really sucks though i wish cf camp had stayed um in the month they were in because they never had any scheduling conflicts for me now i know there was like Oktoberfest and all that nonsense but um they've made everything more difficult by going there yep <laughs> yeah. adam cameron says i gotta come to cf camp watch him drink beer while i have a dot 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 soda yep 
And then uh, Michael Bond said, bring your camp to CF camp. <laughs> bring my camp to CF camp. What could yep. go wrong? Yep, for sure. So lots of cool conferences coming up, and um, I'm sure we'll ha- hear from Adobe as it gets closer to if they release their information. Uh, they usually have some type of government version in March, and then obviously September, October is when they do their own one. So let's get into blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So we have another one from Charlie, right, Brad? You want to start us off with that one? Um, Sure um ooh man i really missed a lot of these it's yeah, been a lot of attention man well no i've been on twitter but there's just there's been a bunch of idle crap on twitter between like cold fusion tweets that have nothing to do with the programming languages and uh i don't know if you have it on here but the the details of a security exploit for adobe cold fusion which those always get thousands of retweets i've missed a bunch of the like actual just tweets from real live cold fusion humans i care, care about so uh, our Charlie article um, is what's new in Fusion Reactor 9.2, which I did know uh, Fusion Reactor 9.2 came out, um, but I hadn't actually looked to see what all was added. Um, so anyway, uh, we love Fusion Reactor at, uh, at Ordis. We use it anytime we have a client who needs uh, troubleshooting and performance fixes, and uh, they have regular releases. So it looks like they have five new features, six improvements, modifications, bug fixes, more CF metrics for Adobe Cold Fusion. Um, that's cool. Most people don't even know about the CF metrics page in Fusion Reactor. It only shows up, obviously, for Adobe. If you have a Lucy server, you won't find it. But on the web request menu, like one of the bottom options is CF metrics, and it taps into stuff like the, the page pool cache and the request queues, uh, things that even the Cold Fusion administrator doesn't provide any um, visualizers for. So that's kind of cool. They've added some some items to that page, and they basically just have to muck around in the depths of cold fusion using reflection or something to pull some of that out yeah i like the size of memory Mm -hmm. used for session application and server scopes that's kind of cool like yeah it'd be interesting to see how they calculate that calculating memory usage is always difficult in java um because there's a difference between how much memory exists in a single object and how much memory is retained in the heap through the garbage collection routes for a Mm -hmm. given object because you have to like recursively trace it all the way down and uh, one object can have multiple garbage collection routes. Uh, and so that, those are always kind of some complicated um, things, but I'm sure they've <clears throat> put a lot of thought into it. Um, I really like this distributed tracing stuff. This is yeah. this is a feature that pretty much all of the like monitoring APM kind of softwares out there have been doing. Um, and Fusion Reactor is, is right there with them. The, the idea is... Um, you know, in a simple web page or a simple setup, you just have a web server, the client hits refresh, you hit the cold fusion, the page loads, boom, simple. But in a more complicated site, right, you have a front end that maybe is running JavaScript, um, this, you know, logging things. You have, you know, a request that goes back to the cold fusion server, and that request may spawn, you know, HTTP calls out to an API that's also part of your network, um, you know, database calls. There, there's, there can be a bunch of different things that all run across different servers. And the distributed tracing is the ability to kind of track all that wherever it goes. Uh, Sentry does stuff like that. A lot of different um, APM softwares are doing that. And so they do some really um, tricky stuff where they, you know, inject like HTTP headers in your HTTP calls. And then they can, you know, capture that coming in and they know that an API call over to your API, you know, container came from a specific request that initiated it over here. And you can kind of combine all that together to get like this, you know, overview of everything that fired across your infrastructure to um, supply that request for the user. And so I think the distributed tracing stuff is pretty sweet, especially if you have 
you know, kind of a, a spread out setup with different APIs and things all serving the same request. But anyway. Cool. And they uh, did a whole bunch of improvements to the monitoring of calls through HTTP client, okay, HTTP, MongoDB, RabbitMQ, Kafka, and all these other Lucy specific ooh, stuff too. Quite a Rabbit, lot of, is that new? Things. Yeah, apparently. I mean, because I'll, I'll bug the Fusion Reactor guys pretty regularly and I'll be like, hey, why, why aren't you guys tracking you know, the calls to this, like, to Couchbase or this, you know, random underlying thing. Because future, the future reactor developers have to write the code to, you know, detect that there's a RabbitMQ library in the JVM being used to make calls and then, you know, track those calls. And they use instrumentation and all sorts of cool stuff to do that. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, everybody's used to future reactor tracking, like, the JDBC calls. Like, that's, that's the easy one. Everybody's always seen that one. But, you know, tracking HTTP calls is something they've added. And they have to support each Java HTTP client separately. And then these things like uh, uh, Fusion Reactor and Redis, not Fusion Reactor, uh, RabbitMQ and Redis and all those things, um, that you know, they have to implement a lot of work to make. I don't know if it's a lot of work, but it takes work for them to actually uh, implement the ability to trace all those calls. I think that's yeah. super cool. Okay, so uh, Charlie actually said some of these are not only new. Wait, again, these are not... The only new improved or fixed. Okay, that's what he's saying. Sorry, I was yeah. trying to read uh, Charlie's thing there. Yeah, I do want to mention that there's a heads up. There's a bug introduced for Fusion Reactor 9.2 affecting Adobe Core Fusion cache queries if sent to Redis, uh -huh. and that's for Adobe 2021. So if you're not running Adobe 2021, don't worry about it. But uh, if you do, there's a JVM property that will turn it off. I'm so. sure they'll probably have a fix for that soon. And yeah. since I turn everything into command box. If you're using command box in the command box fusion reactor module, by default, you will magically and automatically get new versions of fusion reactor the next time you start your server. Yeah. But, uh, which can actually sometimes bite you in the butt if it turns out that, like, you know, the internet's down and your server won't start because it can't download fusion reactor. But, barring that. <laughs> yep. And then we already talked about Charlie's um, post about the, the JDKs removing older ones earlier, so we won't repeat that, but the link is in there. And then uh, next up, we had an interesting one by Ben. He's sort of been on this little hashing little path lately, but um, I will show you, at least for those watching, they can see the screen, because I really like this one. And if, if only just for the pictures. So <laughs> it started off saying, uh, does the order of hash inputs matter in terms of the uniqueness and distribution of a hash? And so obviously the order of the things that you put in there will change the actual hash itself. But he was trying to see, does it make it any more unique or not? So what do you mean what, by unique? Like, does it make it any more random? So what do you think? I don't know that I understand the question. Yeah. It's it's different, but like I said, a lot of crazy interesting stuff. But basically, if you hash the inputs of ABCD versus DCBA, does it make it much more different or unique? And is the distribution of that any different? And he says he doesn't know scientifically or mathematically, but he decided to um you know basically do this little experiment. And like I said, the cool thing about it is he's got pitches. So if you guys aren't watching. You're going to miss out. So basically here. <laughs> like a, it's a scatter graph. Yeah, a scatter graph of a thousand hashes. And then the two different options. And then he's got 10,000 hashes. You can see if there's like groupings or not. And if there's much space, you know, see if there's a difference. So far they look pretty good. And then this one, this is what, a, a 100,000 hashes. So this is pretty, pretty well spread. Not too clumpy or anything else. But the, my favorite one is like the million. 
It's like a starry, <laughs> starry night. Starry night, yeah. So if you want to do like space theme uh, pitches, just put a million dots in this uh, 700 by 700 square. It looks like <clears> space. So what is he using for the X and Y coordinates in this graph here? Um, good question. He <laughs> so he's got the script here. Um, but yeah, he's doing secure randoms. Um, but I don't know how he's doing it. So... Looking at his code, I'm seeing so the random ints number is that what he's generating? Oh, there it is. It's defined above. So he's so he's can, trying to read his code number. Here. So he's huh? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what we're showing, other than the fact that the output of the the digest is essentially yeah evenly distributed in by means of whatever method he's using to determine an X and a Y coordinate in the scatter graph. Yeah. Um, so basically long story short, it doesn't affect it. So he doesn't have to worry about the order of inputs. He can just hash them however he wants to. That was sort of the, the goal from that was to see if there was any difference or any changes because in his next blog post or the previous one, he was comparing Java's message digest to ColdFusion's hash function and see if my Actually, that was the first one. You're, you're doing this out of order. I know I'm doing the reverse um, order. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the okay. next one, which is the previous one. So, yeah. Yeah, because I had talked to him about that one on, on Twitter. Because um, I had pointed out that the if you look at the, the Java source code for Lucy for the hash function, it literally just uses the method di or the message digest class in Java behind the scenes. Basically, the Lucy source code looks pretty much like his uh, uh, scenario. In his example, he was using a library that... Um, and so, let me back up. Um, a lot of people don't realize, or at least I didn't realize for a while, is that the in, 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 with Java libraries, at least, the input to all digest or all hash and algorithms is essentially a byte array, and the output of all hash and algorithms is also a byte array. And so, um, hash outputs are encoded with either you know hex encoding or sometimes base64 encoding to create the human readable version you're used to but it's really just a byte array that comes out but anyway um where was i going with that oh yes so uh he was looking at a library that um that uh it, it was essentially hashing several different you know byte arrays and you wanted to see the difference between just appending it into one big byte array and saying hash this versus using the update method which is something that's part of the java api that allows you to add something additional into the hash um and i, I believe basically the output was the same um, yep so exactly what it shows he, he showed a few different ways to basically uh combine arrays and yeah. um he was essentially working with a cold fusion array and via the magic of reflection you can basically have a, a cold fusion array of integers and that'll generally be turned into a a byte array for you um, and byte arrays in Java are a native uh, data type. It's not like an array list, um, which is an object. It's a, a native construct. But yeah, um, and uh, the other thing um, Ben and I were kind of talking about is how we love the fact that when we want to go see, you know, what what is the Lucy source code for this? Um, in Lucy, the Java class name for every single function is literally just the name of the function. So if you just, you know, in your IDE, you want to say, what's the source code for the hash function in Lucy? You just open up hash.java. And it's it, it, if, if there's more than one uh, class with the same name, occasionally you run into that, it's usually going to be in a functions folder. And tags are the same way. Uh, if you, I think you look up like mail.java, 
and you look for the, the, the classes in like a tags folder, that'll be the implementation for the CF mail, which makes it really uh, fun and easy to just pull up the Lucy source code and look at it and see what it's doing. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't dived into it too much. That's why I let you do. So, <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, I mean, basically, this means he could go trying to find the fastest version of it since they all produce the same output. He can figure out which one's the best way to do it and, you know, get something more optimized. So, well, pretty cool. Um, I would beware of premature optimizations, to be honest. Yeah. Most of these hash algorithms are incredibly fast. So, I think we're probably talking about nanoseconds of whether you append an array first or second, but it's still interesting at least to understand how it works. Which is the quest for knowledge, I suppose. Yep. So the next one from Ben, um, it's a little aside about how he accidentally used continue uh, to short-circuit a dot each iteration in ColdFusion. Yeah, so, I couldn't figure out if that was a bug or or a feature. And that's what he put at the top. This is likely a bug in the CFML language. It's kind of neat. Yeah, because in a normal you know CF loop or whatever, if you want to jump out of that um, and continue the rest of the loop, you just but it continues. Adam, Adam agrees it is. I didn't take the time to go look at any other languages for uh, precedence, but I've always taken the, you know, the, the higher order functions like, you know, map each reduced to be something you can't break out of like a for loop. And well, honestly, I, I had never tried using continue or break. But Well, this blog post looked like it might be stolen from Adam Cameron because the, the words in his array are bloody hell, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe I remember that or Ben was uh, channeling Adam. Yeah, maybe thinking it's a bug, but yeah, basically, you know, instead for the foreign words, you know, he's using the continue to jump out of it. Um, but yeah, AIU, I mean, it does sound like an Adam thing for sure. Um, but yeah, so the continue statement um, basically jumps out. So it's interesting. Um, yeah, I've, I think I've done that by mistake before too, and it's just one of those things, but. Usually for an each, you need to have the return. Um, but yeah. And if, if I recall, Lucy and Adobe both did this, right? Yeah. And then I wonder, okay, did one just copy, you know, did Lucy just copy Adobe's, you know, option or? I could easily see Lucy just doing what Adobe did here, but I could also completely see Adobe not thinking this through. And honestly, I don't know if somebody wrote code to make it work like this or if just the byte code that was generated just. You know, whatever the break statement does probably raises an exception or something internally. Um, it may have just been an accident that they didn't think about that, but yeah, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan says, obviously, we mean that when it's Adam S, it's brilliant and yeah, outstanding. Indubitably. Yep, for sure. And then uh, we also mentioned the Charlie's blog post about having new releases for Java. So there's the link for that there too, but a little short and sweet on that, but that's your blog suites and videos of the week. And again, we might have a couple of, uh, of ones hiding. I'll try and get them added to the show notes just in case, but next up we have find a job. So we got a, a couple of jobs listed here on get And, um, Let's see, we got two new jobs posted this week. I will share my screen, Brad, if you want to um, jump in there and give us a quick rundown of those two. Adam Cameron did just confirm in the chat that JavaScript will not even compile uh, code if you try to put a continue statement inside of a um, array for each. Mm. Yeah. Like I said, that's probably what you expect. So, okay. So, 
looks like so we got cold fusion jobs we have a cold fusion developer at remote in the uk yep and Sweet. we also have a senior cold fusion developer in I'm india still reading the first one marcus donald people never heard of him cold fusion 11 update 19 is the current production environment wow um you're expecting an interview there you should have some hard questions for them Yep. and hopefully you're doing a, a migration because it's not even supported anymore they want you to know about a good understanding of front-end languages frameworks toolkits and libraries including javascript jquery json and xml i'm curious if they want you to know about cold fusion frameworks toolkits toolkits and libraries or maybe they only used frameworks toolkits and libraries on their front end hmm. yeah all right i'll try not to uh um disparage the job postings too much uh and as you were saying uh, senior cold fusion developer in india and we also have a middle cold fusion as well and so both of these are for epam system. systems yep and so you can find more on their website um we've got them here but yes yeah, so apparently they've got a, a fair number of reviews they've got a couple of job postings so you guys can follow wow. those through they want you to have five years of relevant experience as a java developer Hmm. For this cold fusion position. Yeah. That's interesting. Huh. Well, it might it be does, a few, but it does list Java, comma, Adobe Cold Fusion, comma, and then some of it. So maybe they actually have Java projects to be working on. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That's got an interesting group of places too. Uh looks like they're pretty all over the place here. <clears throat> Anyway, a couple more jobs posted there up on the getcfmiljobs.com. Go check it out. And if you're looking for a job, you can obviously go there. But if you've got a job, uh, it's a cool place to uh, post your jobs as well for free. Okay, next up, we have our Forgebox module of the week. And uh, this week, we're talking about CBSecurity 3.0. So we mentioned earlier, uh, it's got a, a pretty big update here. Um, major version, I thought it was time that we refreshed everyone's memory about it. So um, I'm going to pull up the, the site here real quick because I think it's pretty neat. Uh, the visualizer, like you said, we love the visualizers, right, Brad? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, this dashboard looks sweet too. Yeah, look at the firewall activity. So you got 80 events, 8 blocks, 45 overrides, 27 redirects. So obviously it's just a a mock-up there of what it will look like but the whole idea is that you know you can sort of see your settings you know so sometimes you have everything set in environment variables or whatever It'd be nice to sort of pull it up and see what's actually running right now um, be able to get in there check out your jwt settings your basic auth etc um, so it's kind of neat to have that and again it does a lot for you it can do a lot of different things Luis went pretty crazy, and he went and just looked at a whole bunch of other mainstream frameworks, never languages. I think uh, PHP Laravel was one of them that he just went through all their documentation, just looked at all the security-related stuff they did. Yep, Anything and... that looked useful that we didn't have in Cold Fusion, he basically uh, added it into CB Security. So, yep. One of the cool things is um, they got a new logo. What do you think, Brad? CB Security new logo. <clears throat> Oh, I didn't even look at it. Where is it? Where's the logo? Oh, that's on your screen. Uh, yeah. I have it up on my screen and I was scrolled to the wrong place. Yep. It is a shield with a padlock and a little order swirl. The best way to secure your application. There you go. 
Yep. And so that's in the callboxsecurity.autosbooks.com. So it's got its own book. So if you want to get into it, that's the best place to start. Good documentation, um, good getting started guides and everything else. And again, it does give you flexibility. So if you have, you know, your own user service or you want to, you know, use a certain type of security, um, you know, user object or whatnot, as long as it meets the, the interfaces, then it'll work great. And it's a great way to go. So uh, find out more about it right here. And you can sort of see some of the pieces it uses. So CP security includes CP auth and CP storages, um, cross-site request forgery stuff, JWT. So lots of different pieces, you know, it all works together. Um, use as much of it as you want. I know that JWT is a big thing these days again, and, uh, having the option of doing refresh tokens now is pretty neat as well. So if you guys are looking for a module to check out or think about security, CP security 3.0 is out there. Go check it out. Okay, next up, our VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week. And this is a new one. I just found it just today, but I thought this might actually be useful for some of the stuff that we do, Brad. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Mark map. Yep. So I'm trying to figure out what the heck it does. So basically, it gives you like an uh, a diagram, like a mind map type diagram of your Markdown doc. So it can show you the different hitting, subheadings, and items within it. And if I blow this up a little bit more too, if it'll let me. Just right click and open a new a new tab on the image if you want. There you go. Oh yeah. But it actually shows the text breakdown too. So it'll actually show you like inline text styles and everything right in the diagram. So it's pretty neat that it can do that. But sometimes when you're writing big documents, it's hard to keep track of which sections where is it under the right subheading. So that's a cool little tool when you're doing um, bigger documentations for your readme files or or even if you just use that for normal documentation just a way to see your overall sort of outline layout structure for your markdown doc so kind of curious what this would look like if i ran one of our larger readme files through it I mean, it might I, be interesting I, but there's a zoom and a zoom out and there's a full screen and you can export the image too as well as edit it so it, huh. so it looks kind of cool i mean for some people writing readme docs all the time it might be just a good way to get an overview so anyway i thought yeah. i'd throw it out there for you guys to check it out but uh yeah it's called mark map it's actually got a pretty good five-star rating over fifty thousand people have downloaded it and everything and uh, you know just one of those little tools out there you might like so go check that out if you I'm use markdown and, as we speak yep and just an extra little bonus tip in here. If you're having trouble with your performance of um, VS Code, you may have too many extensions running, so it might be the wrong extension. So there's actually a way to troubleshoot that right in the extension manager itself. So um, it'll automatically try to figure out which ones are trouble, shut off a bunch of them, and then you can try working and see if it has the same problem. You can shut off some more. But it's pretty cool they added that because... Depending on how many you install, you know, it can be kind of crazy. You've got a whole bunch of things watching and, you know, all sorts of, you know, background processes. It might get kind of crazy in your VS Code. So, so. All right. So how do you use this mark map? Oh, open this mark map. You just right click on the, on the readme, on the MD file. Ooh. Oh, wow. Too bad I'm not set up to uh, share my screen. So I opened yeah. up by the Rabbit SDK, which is one of those projects that doesn't have its own like Ordis book. So it just has a massive readme file that just basically has all the docs kind of inside of it. And so, yeah, the, oh, you can't, ah, oh, I can't, how do you drag it up and down? Oh, if you, if, you, if I click on text, it just highlights text. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. So it actually has all my code blocks in here. And of course, this, this document has a bunch of headings, H1s, H2s, H3s. Huh. So, yeah. It shows all my bulleted lists. So is it useful? I don't know. Like on a large <laughs> MD file, it's like so big that I can't see anything until I zoom in. And then if I zoom in, I lose all the greater context. Uh, it's a cool little parlor trick. I don't know what I would ever use it, but um, it's, it's interesting. I, so, To be honest, it would be more useful to me if it didn't go as in-depth. Like, I don't need all the freaking code blocks in here. If I just had, like, a table of contents that just showed all the header levels, like, that yeah. would actually be more helpful to me than this, like... I mean, it's super, like, cool eye candy, but yeah. uh, it's it's a bit too much. I would rather just... I would want to see all my headers h1s twos and threes yeah just to like see that which i mean you could you could easily fit that all if you didn't have all the the bold items and the um yeah i wonder if there's an option there are some configuration options to make this way we can filterability uh, tweak that somewhat yeah so yep for more details you can go check out the the website for it so pretty cool there's yeah there's max stuff zoom but all right yeah so maybe if i tweak some of those I can get better what I wanted. Yeah, initial expand level, so maybe you only expand so many levels. Oh, nice. So maybe like two or three levels or something, it might do something. But Isn't yeah. it fun that people can spend like hundreds of hours writing something and give it to you for free, and then we get to complain about how we don't like it? Well, the, <laughs> the interesting thing is, you know, it's just a, a little tool, and then they put it to a VS Code plugin. So, you know, I'm sure it's got a, a good point there too. So very cool. Well, Let's move on. So up next, we have our Patreon supporters. So um, again, we want to thank all of our amazing, amazing Patreon yep, supporters. Exactly. Um, these individuals are personally supporting uh, our open source initiatives to ensure great tools like Command Box, Forge Box, Cold Box, Content Box, TS Box, and all the other boxes keep getting the development they need and the funds for the infrastructure that runs Forge Box. And we know people are using it because every time we have a blip, um, people complain. So that means we're <laughs> we're at the point now where we've yeah uh, you know, we're big enough that we notice and you notice. So that's great to great to see it working and yeah, really happy that it's uh, doing as well as it is. I mean, back when we started it, Brad, you remember like people were like package managers, what's that? Like who cares about package managers? Now everything has a package manager. <laughs> so Um, you know, I was kinda of going down memory lane the other day. We were talking about Luis and Javi and I were talking about some of the Forgebox features. Um and, you know, I was going back looking at some of the commits and just remembering like, Oh my gosh, I forgot that when Forgebox first came out, a package only had one version. It was just the latest version and that was it. You know, and I was like, yeah, I remember when like Forgebox 2.0 and we're like, hey, one package can have two or more versions. <clears throat> and, and then we know even then we didn't even foresee, you know, packages like Lucy have like over a thousand versions. There's hundreds and hundreds of versions because of all the snapshots, you know, which, of course, we've had to think about, well, how do we deal with that in the API? How do we paginate that, you know, in the UI, which are fantastic problems to have. But it was it's just fun thinking about how simple. Forgebox used to be, and how much it's grown as a as a platform and the the capabilities that it has. Yep, it, it really has, and it's cool to see all the other build tools out there. You know, as they've evolved and everything. And obviously, we take the best from some of the other ones, but it, it's just nice to to see everyone using it. And it's not just a box product repository. You know, other other tools and libraries and frameworks are using it too. And that's what it's meant to be, right, for the CFML community. So. 
anyway, yep. detour. All right, so uh, <laughs> don't forget we have our annual memberships. Uh, you can pay for the year and save 10% uh, with our Patreon. So uh, if you're a bronze Patreon supporter, that comes with a Forgebox Pro uh, membership. Forgebox is free, but we have the Pro version. You can have private packages. You can have teams, things like that. And then also uh, the bronze Patreon package comes with a CF Cast subscription as well. So um, you can kill three birds with that one stone. Uh, all Patreon supporters have the profile badge on our community website to show how cool you are um, and have a private forum on the community website. And we also have a private channel in the box team Slack for our Patreon supporters. And, but wait, there's more. Live stream access to the stream, such as coding for the Kiwi and Friends and the Ordis Software Craftsmanship Book Club. Yep. So we got a few of those out there that we just try and make it special for those Patreons. So if you guys are Patreon, uh, jump, you know, come join in and let us know if there's anything else you want to see us do. Um, but it's it's good to have them out there. And just a quick note. Um, Adam Cameron said, yeah, it's really well done delivering an MVP and working iteratively with Forgebox, you know, so. An MVP stands for minimum viable product, not most valuable player, in case anyone out there is wondering. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, yep, and Adam's also asking about how Clean's code is going. So, yeah, the book club is going to be um, looking uh, at the next chapter. I think we're up to chapter three. We're only doing one at a time. Uh, if we get time, we might jump into the next one. I know Adam actually started with his work, so he's probably way ahead of us now because they were doing a weekly meeting. <laughs> so we had a little bit of time Dang. off for Christmas and everything. So. Yeah. So yeah, Clean Code is a is a book about software craftsmanship by Uncle Bob. So definitely a good one to have on your shelves. Yeah, and the Clean Architecture one is really interesting too. It made me think a lot more about uh, deployment strategies and you know infrastructure and everything else, and just how to think about it differently. You know, they talk, sort of talk about you know an in, you know people complain about what's the difference between a programmer and in sort of a software engineer. And uh, it's pretty good that we have, you know, like programmers are basically you're solving, you know, a set problem, you're programming something out where a software craftsman or engineer tries to look at the big picture and how everything works together and, you know, much bigger overall yeah. overarching the, the view. The system level view is what I always kind of call that. Yeah, but yeah it, it's not just how do I make this bug report go away? It's how does this code fit in the existing system? What makes sense? what isn't you know duplicating logic what is you know idiomatic to everything that's in place how does it fit in the overall picture and yeah, yeah you definitely have to have to have a mind for that otherwise you're just you're closing tickets and making them go away it's <laughs> yeah. not the same thing for sure so yeah so adam's on uh, chapter seven with his co-workers of clean code i forget how many chapters there are in that book yeah, quite a few. A lot of them get more practical, and so that'll be the interesting part, I think, when we start to look at examples of, of stuff and, and why things failed or didn't work or stuff like that. But the first two were sort of like, what is clean code? And the next chapter two was naming convention, so that was there a, are, a two-hour yeah, There are episode. 17 chapters and three appendices. Yeah, we might start combining them because some of them are sort of you know shorter, but... Most of them have got lots of good content, and it's the discussion, I think, that's the, the big win on these. You know, obviously, you can go read the book yourself, but discussing it with other people and giving their feedback and input is good. So, so very cool. And, yeah, Adam joined us in the last one. Hopefully, he can make the next one as well. So, well. All right. So, our amazing patrons. Yep. So I'll who, who are the up. top patrons, Gavin? The top patrons, John Wilson from Synatrix, Tomorrow's Guides, and Jordan Clark. And then we have another awesome group, too, right? Excelente. We have Gary Knight, Mario Rodriguez, Giancarlo Gomez, David Bellinger, Dan Carr, Jeffrey McGee from Sunstar Media, 
Dean Monder, Nolan Irk, and Abdul Rahim. And we have and many more because there are many more. And many, uh, many more. Yeah, many these more Patreons. Just, these are just the top patrons. Yep. So sorry if you're not on that list. Uh, you have to bump your plan or uh, just deal with that. But we do have a lot of amazing Patreons, and we do put them on our website at autosolutions.com slash about us slash sponsors. And uh, I know we get people coming, joining, and leaving um, periodically. And so if your name isn't on the list and it should be, let us know. If it's there and it shouldn't be, then just you know enjoy it while you can. But uh, yeah, we'll try and keep that up to date. And we really do appreciate all of you. And thanks, everyone, for joining us in the chat and uh, joining us again for another week. And until next week, right, Brad? Yep. Yep. Have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye, guys. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.